Hi there, and welcome to Tending the Threshold, an eight-part podcast mini-series. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola. These special edition episodes of the Numinous Podcast feature conversations with my fellow presenters at the Tending the Threshold Conference, an event happening in Ashland, Oregon, on May 26th and 27th, 2018. This extraordinary event is a gathering of change makers, bridge builders, and edge dwellers. It's about relationship, ritual, and revolution. It's an experience of radical togetherness, disruptive social change, and emergent creativity. There will be art, beauty, play, grief, gratitude, conflict, intimacy, and community. In other words, this is not the patriarchy's conventional conference. The container at this unconference will be held by a group of 10 co-facilitators from three countries and many walks of life. The group includes poet and spoken word artist Tanur Ali, conflict engagement and resolution practitioner Aftab Erfan, equity and inclusion consultant Desiree Attaway, clinical psychologist and author Bio Acoma Lafay, social entrepreneur Donnie McClurkin, artist and death doula Rachel Rice, educator, facilitator, and indigenous rights activist Aaron Ortega, videographer and artist Beck Stupak, therapist, ritualist, and conference founder Holly Truler, and myself, Carmen Spaniola. For new listeners, allow me to just briefly introduce myself. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist, a somatic trauma resolution practitioner, and a wilderness guide. As of spring 2018, this show, The Numinous Podcast, has been around for four years and over 100 episodes. And occasionally, I'll do a mini-series focusing on a singular topic. Throughout this mini-series, I'll be hosting conversations with my co-facilitators, exploring the threshold upon which we find ourselves as humans living in these challenging times. I'm asking each guest how they see the threshold and why they feel drawn to gather with others in Ashland to tend the threshold. Holly Truler is a grief practitioner, ritualist, and community builder. She has a master's degree in transpersonal counseling psychology from Naropa University and a law degree from the University of Denver. Combining her experience in justice work and relational psychology, she created an intellectual, emotional, sociological, and spiritual approach to activism called radical attunement work. Her writing and workshops speak to planetary grief, cultural trauma, oppression and inequality, restructuring power, environmental justice, conscious collapse, and the subversion of the dominant system. I connected with Holly online. She was at home in Ashland, Oregon. So, Holly, the event that you are convening in Ashland in May is called Tending the Threshold. And I'm wondering if you could describe for me how you see the threshold at which we stand in these times. Yeah, um, 
It's an interesting question. I think that I look at this in two different ways. So there's this larger collective threshold that we're on as a species and as a planet that um, seems to be uh, in some ways like a precipice and has to do with uh, like one of the thresholds I'd say we're on is just this threshold of collapse, environmental collapse, economic collapse, political collapse. Um, and part of the threshold is this piece of like, we don't know when that's gonna happen. Uh, I think a lot of people know it's going to happen because um, we're on a finite planet and uh, we, <laughs> our economic system is based on a fiat money system and all these different things. Um, and so there's this collective place of some kind of transition needing to happen. Um, you know, for me, when I look at it, I think a lot about um, extinction and whether that's you know human extinction or just other species that are going extinct all the time uh, but like the fact that we can talk about let's say human extinction and not really get laughed out of the room like oh yeah that's a possibility and one of the best sellers is the sixth great extinction and this is a conversation we're having you know, to me, that's a threshold. Like we wouldn't be having that conversation if we weren't in some kind of threshold. And so there's this collective threshold I think we're on um, that has to do with, um, you know, the, this question of like, are we going to be able to speciate? And are we going to be able to step into something really different in time? What like, does speciate mean? Um, to me, it means like evolving in a really practical way in some ways. Like, I don't know, I don't know exactly what it means. I mean, I think that there's skills that we'll need as humans that we're trying to develop, that we've tapped into in some ways and in other ways just haven't. Like, we don't even know what they are, right? There's this emergent quality to it um, that if we're able to come together and we're able to practice um, different ways of attuning to each other, different ways of being, uh, that we might be able to, you know, move into just a, just a really different um, way of interacting, I suppose. Uh, so you're talking in, at, at the collective level, there's a literal need to address whether we can ensure futurity. <laughs> on the planet <laughs> for us as a species. I think, yeah. Um, and I would say that there's another direction for me of that of, um, and if not, how are we going to go out? How mm. do we want to hold um, the possibility that there isn't a future? Um, how do we want to be with each other through loss and death um, so there's a whole piece for that. So that's like on this collective level. And then I think on an individual level, what I've seen is that all of us have these different thresholds that we're in all the time. And, you know, they're obviously the macro and the micro reflect each other. And so, but what I've, what I've noticed in my own personal life and my practice with clients and, um, is that it seems like there is more 
loss happening, more change happening, it's happening more rapidly, we're exposed to it more than ever before through social media and the news and all of these things. Um, the political system is quite devastating to a lot of people. And so there's, yeah, there's this collective piece and then there's these individual pieces of thresholds that have always happened as a human in life, but are happening more rapidly. Um, so I think what I'm trying to say partially is this threshold is this really transitory period that we're in. Mm-hmm. So you've got an interesting background as a therapist. You also have a law degree and you've also done uh, quite a deep and devoted uh, uh, study and practice of grief as a technology um, and, and uh, incorporating ritual into personal um, everyday life. I'm curious, how would you describe how that work, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> how, how your work, uh, how you bring it forward uh, into, the, into the world? Like how, how are you syncretizing all of these things? Yeah. Well, on a good day, I'm synchronizing these things, right? Um, but um, the way... The way that I look at this is that there's a way in which we can interact with each other as individuals or even ourselves that I, I call it attunement. I think a lot of therapists would call it attuning, um, paying really close attention to each other and tracking each other's micro expressions and um, recognizing what's happening in our own bodies. So embodiment practices, recognizing what's happening for someone else Um, so that's sort of this therapeutic side that I've been trained in, which is like a somatically based trauma therapy and then attachment based couples work, um, and just relation relationship, right? Like how to be in relationship, which I'm still learning as a human, like as a person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's kind of this therapeutic piece and also has to do with the grief piece, um, I could talk about grief for a really long time, but uh, there's this way in which um, all trauma contains grief. And I started out mostly as a trauma therapist um, and kind of moved into grief for for various reasons, but um, grief for me has to do with embodiment, has to do with ritual. When we're dealing with grief on the levels that we are as a collective and just as individuals when we lose things, we have to have a container for that. And I don't know a better container than ritual, community and ritual. Those are the two main things that can hold grief. Um, Because if we don't have a container for it, then we become the container, right? And we're always in this tension of release and containment with things like grief or trauma. If we can provide another container for it, then we can actually release it in an appropriate way. Um, And so that's all sort of this therapeutic piece, this ritual piece. Um, And then I would say the law degree comes in partially as the way that it dances with that is looking at the systemic pieces to this. Um, And really starting to track, you know, for instance, how our legal system sets us up to be oppressive and um, dominating and exploitative and um, looking at marginalized communities and how that works, the dynamic um, 
of let's say white superiority and, and different things like that. So being able to track that systemically and recognize how that then um, impacts all of our patterns, all of the ways that we're interacting with each other. Uh, and I think that, so then the sort of model that I've created for, for my own work in the world and work with clients really like integrates those two in helping to helping people to kind of work on this body-based and spiritually based realm and then also this horizontal on the ground realm of, of looking at like reality and um, how the systems in place impact us and that honestly that's all happened really naturally as far as like the more I would work with clients as a therapist and even like a baby new therapist a few years ago and I'm still like a juvenile therapist just to be clear but um, I just started to realize like more and more the work became me being like, this isn't you, this is the system. Like, this isn't you, this is patriarchy. This isn't you, this is capitalism. I mean, it's important to take responsibility when we have the ability to respond. And I, I work with that with clients in certain situations, like, okay, where's the piece that I need to work with? But so often it's like we're so impoverished when it comes to connection and grief literacy and um, spiritual literacy is anything. Yeah. Relationship <laughs> literacy. Like literally, how do we relate? How do we attune? How do we like, how do we track each other's breath? Are we even tracking our own breath? Right? Like we don't, we are not taught those skills and that's actually like the system does that. Right. And so people I find often have all this shame around their own individual failures. And it's not actually a failure of anyone. This is how patriarchy and capitalism play out. Mm -hmm. Can you help us um, sort of understand how your work can enable people to participate in solving these large scale cooperation dilemmas that we have, like the environment, like uh, patriarchy, like white dominance and superiority. And, and here's where I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be able to share just a little bit more of what you were um, sort of, you were planting little seeds of, or there's little breadcrumbs there of your method uh, called radical attunement work. Yeah, um, I, absolutely. So let me, let me, um, pull up this thing really quick. It'll help me. Um, yeah. So I want to start by giving a, like a very short overview of how I even started this work. So I was working with emerging adults. So like 16 to 30 or something. And I was also working with animals. So with, um, I'm a, I'm the guardian of two equines. And at that time I was two. And, um, really started to ask myself how we can move out of exploitative relationships. Um, so we live in an exploitative culture and like how we can move into relationships of care or communities of care. And I started to realize that there was different patterns that like people would do certain things, but not other things. And what is the full spectrum of how we attune to each other? And again, attunement's this weird word, but it's like a term of art within psychology, right? Of like how we relate, how we play, pay close attention to each other. And um, 
so I sort of, I started to map out this four step process. And the first step is acknowledgement. So it's just this like seeing. So if I'm talking about in relationship with you and you are crying, like I walk in the room and Carmen's crying, it would be like, I, I see you're crying, Carmen, right? <laughs> just simple acknowledgement. Or if I can't say it out loud for some reason, it's like, oh, I acknowledge that Carmen's crying here. Um, and then the next step is building awareness around that. So it could be awareness in my own body. So it could be Carmen's crying. How do I feel? What does that, maybe my stomach gets tight. Maybe my heart drops. Um, maybe I feel a sense of dread or it could be, and it probably should be, how do I build awareness with you? So it might be Carmen, you're crying. What's happening for you? And then we might have this dialogue or I might just follow your breath or anything like that. But it's really building an awareness around it. And then the next step from that is activating. But really that just means like what, what might be called for in this moment. And so it might be like Carmen needs a hug, right? Or Carmen needs me to listen even more. Or Carmen needs to go on a walk. Um, or I need to leave. Like Carmen doesn't want me here anymore. Um, you know, and with my equines, that's a real thing. Like sometimes they're like, please go, you know, like it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm building awareness and now it's time for me to go. Um, and then the last phase is what I call expansion is like, if we've attuned to each other enough, we actually like our beings become interconnected. And there's like this larger sense of self that really, um, I can't separate myself from you. And, and I'm, people feel this all the time with their kiddos, right? Um, or if we're activated towards, um, you know, the environment, uh, things that we'll hear people say is like, I am my watershed, right? And really there's this feeling of like, I, my well-being is interwoven with my watershed's well-being. So there's this four-step process and I'm, I shared it sort of on this personal level, but what I find is that this is also a systemic process. So we can acknowledge the school to prison pipeline, right? And, and um, you know, um, the prison industrial complex. And that might just be what I just did. That's a thing. As a, you know, we have a word for it. We've articulated it. And then building awareness around it could be gaining more information. Um, you know, what does that mean? Are there books I can read about this? Maybe I go read the new Jim Crow, right? And, and, oh, and at the same time, I might be building somatic awareness. Like there's a ton of grief when, when I, when I look at the prison industrial complex and the justice system and what that does to us and like the dehumanizing nature of that. Like I, I feel right now, I feel tightness in my throat. Um, I feel tears coming up. It's, um, you know, and then I also feel this like holy outrage too. Like that's not fucking right, you know? And, and, and there's this like fire in my belly. And so that's the awareness piece. You know, it's both sort of building um, deep discernment that, that we really kind of lack. Um, deep discernment informationally and deep discernment on like a somatic emotional level of how that impacts us. And then the next phase would be activation, right? So if we're talking about the prison industrial complex, it might be, well, I want to volunteer and go spend time with prisoners, or I want to um, help with a legal case on that, or I want to educate my community and, and bring together people who, you know, will um, work towards either providing more funding for education or whatever it might be, right? Um, and then the expansion piece is, 
hopefully, like we, we become a part of that movement, right? Like we're the movement and all of a sudden people who have been imprisoned are a part of us and we're a part of them. And, and, you know, um, that's interwoven into our lives. Like it's a part of our well being to know that that's, um, being attuned to. Mm-hmm. So I don't, did I answer your question? Yeah, for sure. Because my sense is that then, you know, in a, um, collective way, we're not skipping any steps. We're not just sort of going from acknowledgement to activation. Like for instance, um, you know, in the land where I live, there, you see a lot of territorial acknowledgements. You know, if you go to um, City Hall, there's going to be, you know, every speaker is going to acknowledge that we're living and working on Lekwungen territory. But sometimes people go from that to like, okay, now I'm going to come to a march. And then they're like taking pictures inappropriately of like survivors or like of regalia or that sort of thing, because they haven't actually gone into the 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 hurt place of like oh i can i can grieve with you you know they're kind of already in the what do i do what do i do and then conversely in when i'm um working in sort of spiritual milieus <laughs> there can be a uh over emphasis on individual somatic response or emotional response um which could then and that, that then wants to kind of skip the activation and go right to the we're all one. So it's kind of like fragile white tears. Like, I feel so terrible about, the, you know, r- about racism and residential schools. And then but we're all one and I don't see color instead of yeah. really getting, you know, so it's kind yeah. of like we've got one axis or we've got the other axis. And what we actually need to see is it's a spiral. And then once I see that, you know, I, um, uh, I am my watershed or, you know, n- n- nobody's child should need to get the talk about cops or whatever, you know, then I can spiral back around to this new higher level (laughs) of acknowledgement where it's, and, and it's so interesting because I'm just having that right now with um, like, I've long been a very earth-based practitioner, spiritually speaking, you know, I, I don't self-identify as like a pagan or a druid or anything like that, but I've long had relationship um, with, especially I'm thinking right now with a tree that's in my backyard. Mm. And over time, this tree has, I've just called it my ancestor tree. It's where I do all my offerings. It's where I do all my ritual and, and that sort of thing. Um, and recently the neighbor uh, there, there was like a branch overhanging his backyard mm-hmm. and there's like no buildings or anything anywhere close, but he lopped off one of the branches mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, taken back with yeah. how devastated I was for like three or four days and my, you know, the holy outrage, the whole kind of thing. And it's like, oh, I'm so attuned to you now that now when there is a violation, the grievance is felt in a, in a much stronger way. And I feel compelled to not only go and like soothe and like do something, but to, you know, I collected some of the wood. We like went over in the darkness of night, Reuben wood. Mm. I stole some of the wood yeah. back and then, you know, did a grief ritual and, and, um, and, and, and then to realize like, oh, wow, I actually have quite a lot of relationship here that even I wasn't aware of, um, or I've become aware of it at a deeper level, I should say. And so now I feel even more bonded to that. So it's kind of like you can keep circling around and circling around um, that spiral again and again. And I can see how that connects me 
to the land upon which I live, how, I, how it even extended to just where the tree is. Now I'm like, oh, I need to like rehabilitate some of this area where he's put in invasives. <laughs> I need to like yeah. bring in some nettles and things and I need to like totally. build like, some stuff. So I think it's, uh, yeah, no, thank you very much. It's very relevant. So why did you feel compelled to gather people together at this unconference or or de de conference, I don't know what you call it. It's not. It's like a conference, but it's a gathering, really. Yeah. And um, why did you feel compelled to to create tending the threshold? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a complicated <laughs> question. Um, well, first, I want to answer sort of in general why I think it's important that we gather. And then I'm going to answer the piece about the conference because uh, we both know there's like a whole piece about the conference that um, is a little little story and I'll, I don't know what piece I'll tell. But um, in general, I think that there's so much online that we can consume and even integrate. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. Um, and there's all this work to be done, right? Like we're in the threshold um, and there's all this work to be done that's both beautiful, like right now we're being called to create beauty out of the broken, but also is really, really challenging, right? Like the threshold, while it can be really beautiful and you have this beautiful view sometimes, it's also fucking terrifying. And um, it's also fucking lonely. And oh, if you have any lonely. conviction about this, I mean, this is, you know, one of the sort of, um, it's like a, the tagline or hashtag for my life is conviction is fucking lonely. Yeah. It's isolating. Right. I mean, and so like, there's this way in which we can do some of that work online. Um, like you and I met online kind of, you know, all kind of online. Mm -hmm. Um, but we can't like, because of that loneliness, because of our need for connection, there's also something about meeting in person, seeing each other, touching each other, um, being able to track micro expressions, um, being able to attune that we just can't do online, that we just can't do even over the phone. Um, not that those things are bad, they're great if we can't do those, if we can't do anything else. But I've seen online communities or distant communities fall apart especially around difficult material. And so a lot of the stuff that, you know, I'm hoping we get to work with at this conference is difficult material. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's discomforting in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, it's hard work. Some of it's really beautiful, but a lot of it's really challenging. And if we, we, we literally can't do some of that if we're not looking at each other and seeing the heartache or seeing that glimmer behind someone's eyes or seeing the little, you know, wrinkle in their mouth that makes all the difference, right? Because mm -hmm. like you're triggered as hell and, and you're sort of like F this person, but then you see like the waver in their lip, you know, and this happens with partners all the time. Like some tension happens and, or best friend and you're pissed or whatever. And then you see, the tenderness, mm -hmm. right? And it, and it changes everything. It, it, it taps into a neural pathway that all of a sudden allows you to be a little more open. And so that's why we gather, right? And, and, and I, the piece you said about it's lonely, right? It's a little less lonely 
when we gather and we do this work together and we create communities of practice. Um, so that's one of the reasons. And, and you know, Ashland's a really interesting community and really um, some of what's needed in this particular community is like a groundedness and that activation piece. Like there's a whole lot of hanging out in the sort of expansion or ascension realm. And, and then if not, it's like the, the sort of um, awareness, emotional um, realm. And so the other sort of goal of this conference from the beginning was to really get people activated and help create um, both in the local community, but just as a whole, like help people recognize where they can plug in and really help tend that threshold, right? Or, mm -hmm. or do good work. So that's kind of like generally what was happening. But I, you know, I think I was, I was laughing because I don't know that I thought I was creating this event. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gone through some transitions. It's been on its own threshold. Um, and I'm trying to tend to it. <laughs> so, um, the way this started out was really with a group of people and it was really headed by um, in some ways a, a couple of older white males and really well-intentioned wanting to do good work and as sort of the event as the event took shape and the different facilitators were laid out um, there was like a real want and excitement around it, but when the reality of what that work would be and how to market that, like how to incongruence with tending the threshold mm -hmm. and doing marketing that's, um, you know, based on consent and um, story and connection rather than maybe traditional marketing that might be a little more forceful or whatever, it got really difficult. And so um, there was a transition <laughs> where I, I kind of became the main organizer, which was kind of happening anyway, but then it, then it officially happened. And so uh, I'm doing that, but, <laughs> but it, I, that's happening. Uh, and, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, it's really great and, um, and it's really challenging. But I would say that all being said, the entire time, the reason why I've been involved is because this is what's being called for in our times. We need people who are able to, both facilitators, so each of these facilitators was chosen for their ability to um, sit with unpredictability, um, to really speak the truth in a compassionate way, uh, and you know, to feel the emergent field, like to feel that out and see what's gonna happen and have a comfortability with that. Like in the beginning, the way I approached all the facilitators, including yourself, was sort of like, um, yeah, like I don't know what's gonna unfold, but I know it's gonna be really great. And we're gonna have these conversations about, you know, white superiority and possibly climate change and grief and, you know, and uh, I really give credit to all these facilitators because each one was just like, oh, I'm in. You know, there was different, like, oh, when you said this, I was in or whatever. And so, um, there's always been that, you know, I just know that we need the skills to hold our seat amongst chaos. Like that's no matter what happens, no matter what threshold we're on, we need to do that. And we partially do that by modeling that with each other and creating the neural pathways of how that's possible and like 
practicing it with each other, having that like embodied experience that when shit goes down, you can like fall back on a little bit and be like, oh, but I saw this work one time and I don't even know if it's going to work, you know, or I saw it be really messy, but we were okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and that's very healing also. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the premise of like group therapy or like going on retreats or whatever is that it, when you see other people bravely going into space and standing at a threshold together and saying, let's just kind of crash about <laughs> and like keep tracking what's happening here at the threshold. I mean, that that's one of the reasons why I love the title, um, you know, the threshold literally comes from the threshing hold. It's where they would bring in the wheat and, you know, thrash it against, um, you know, the, the, the trough at the, at the pass through in the barn. And so we're separating from the, the wheat from the chaff. And so the threshold is the place where you get fucking bashed around, right? You don't just like step blithely <laughs> over into one. You get beat up. And there are some people for whom that's going to be like a really, I mean, they're exerting and they're the ones who are like in it doing it. And then there are other people who are who need to be like really focused on sort of the, the small details and they're pulling out the fine work. And there are other people who are kind of holding that space. And, and when you see people who are being threshed because <laughs> they're in it, it really does activate a different part of our brain. And it's the part of our brain that survives in tribe, that survives in connection with each other. And we're seeing people, even if it's awkward, even if it's painful, we're like, holy shit, look at those people having that <laughs> conversation. It, it really does make our brains healthier. It helps like, you know, build up the underdeveloped parts that have become so because of the hyper individualism of capitalism and, and all of the things. Right. So, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Quaker and we have a practice called the threshing session. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're going to have a threshing session, it means something's up in your meeting, in your community, and people are just going to come and we're all going to witness as people get up and speak um, what is true for them. And, um, and it's all done in the container of this is a worship session. And so we're going to do what we always do, which is, you know, we sit and wait for that of something divine, something bigger than me to want to speak through me, or I'm going to have an attitude of expectant listening so that it's not me listening. It's whatever divine thing in me is present, is listening to the people who are being thrashed or threshing, you know? Yeah. And so we just, we basically, we show up and, and witness and it really does do something, I think, for our own um, wholeness and well-being just to watch others do that. So, I, I mean, I think there are probably a lot of listeners or a lot of people who are thinking of um, participating or coming who are kind of like, I don't, haven't thought about, I'm not sure, you know, <laughs> like, you know, they're not really sure what is this about? Are we talking about climate change? Are we talking about grief? Are we talking? It's like, no, we're talking about being at the threshold. Yeah. And we're going to practice it. We're just going to like try it. We're going to like see what happens. Some fires might start and we're going to see how we put them out together. And that's actually going to help our nervous systems orient towards, oh, like you said, I saw some people do this thing and it was messy, but we survived. And that makes me feel more empowered. It's like it straightens my spine a bit because I'm like, okay, we actually can do this 
we just need to kind of feel into it and slow it down a little yeah. bit, you know? Yeah. 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 That piece, you know, it's about the state of the planet and the state of our beings. Right. And so, yeah, it's like about climate change. It's about grief. It's about, um, you know, racial justice, all these things, because that's what, um, on a systemic level is dysregulating our nervous systems. Right. I mean, there's a lot more, but, um, and then on an in individual level, it's about relationship, right? How do we get in right relationship with each other? How do we, um, touch each other? And I, you know, sometimes physically, sometimes not, but like, how do we really, um, see each other for the differences and the similarities? Um, and all of that to me, see, like, I can't disconnect those. Those, mm -hmm. that's all just the frame that I see things in. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and it is, it's that threshold piece of like, how do we sit with discomfort, right? And then also, like, I really mean it when I say, and then how do we creatively play? How do we have fun? How do we play? How do we like, when, when we finally decided that like, we're, we're, we're done with that messiness a little bit, or what do we do with that messiness? How do we, um, you know, practice gratitude? How do we, um, you know, dance with each other in a really, like, I, I mean that in a playful way. Like I love, I love interspecies play when I was talking about my inquines. It's like, there's this, this really um, important piece to me about attuning and there's a, a gravity to that, like a seriousness of doing that with another person. But then there's this really like, like best and most promising practice of attuned play. Like how do we do that back and forth and have fun with it? Um, and sometimes that's appropriate and sometimes it's not, but you know, yeah, it's that discomfort piece. And then it's also that um, really playful fun mm -hmm. piece. Uh, well, and I think there's also a quality of um, uh, learning how to tolerate being with each other, both in the grief. Some of us have a bias towards that where we're like, oh, that's easy. Like, <laughs> I can tell. Totally I don't know what you're talking about. about. Yeah, waterworks, <laughs> you know, ordering coffee at somewhere is like fine, right? Um, but then the, also learning to tolerate that. Um, you know, that you're finding beauty at the end of the world, or you're, you know, you're, you're actually reveling in some of the gifts of the collapse of empire, you know, or whatever. But I yeah. actually think our nervous systems have been so um, conditioned by digital life that what I notice with a lot of my clients is that they, ha they have to develop the capacity to feel really seen and to feel like to develop a comfort with getting gotten you know, it's just like, that's almost too much. You know, we can get a little flooded that it's like, oh my God, I'm not alone. <laughs> oh my God, we can make jokes about econopocalypse because that you do that in your house too. Yeah. Or, you know, like, and it's like, it's, we get a little verklempt or a little like, you know, contracted and constricted because it's like, oh my God, it's too beautiful, <laughs> you know? And so we have to practice. We have to get good so we can be more chill when we're <laughs> like yeah. out and getting each other. Totally it's for me it's creating it's normalizing reality right it's creating a shared reality not like consensus reality but like so many things that um are not reality based um have now been normalized or are common and so what i try to do with people and myself is just start to normalize what's actually like the experiences that want 
that need to happen, right? So if it is the experience of being gotten, the more we can normalize that or a conversation about, you know, the apocalypse, whatever that means to someone, like we start to normalize that and then actually it becomes more bearable and the other piece becomes less bearable. Like the, the, the numbing, the emotional neuropathy is less and less bearable. Not that the, not that it all feels good as it's happening. Right. But that's, that's the point is to start to normalize this other, this, you know, more beautiful world, this, mm -hmm. this way that we can be with each other. Um, and when that becomes our normal, then we actually start to expect that, or then we grieve when that's not there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's a healing experience as well. Mm -hmm. So I just, I love what you're saying because, you know, it's like so many things that are unhealthy have now become normalized and, you know, I, we keep kind of, but like creating the neural pathways, like ingraining, making them deeper and deeper so that our memory, like our somatic memory is one of being held and seen. Mm -hmm. And then when that's not there, it's actually, our bodies are like, what's happening, right? Which is, which is, I actually see the opposite in most people yes. right now. So we're going to flip the script. Let's flip it. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to your weird party. I know. <laughs> well, it's, it's now become my party. Like, surprise. It's like a surprise party. Um, <laughs> no, it's going to be great. I, it'll be great. And I'm so excited. And, you know, the, the thing I want to say mostly is I have so much trust in all of these facilitators and, and even the people kind of behind the scenes that are helping me. Um, or just helping this, it's not, um, that I know it's going to be pretty fucking amazing. Like mm -hmm. no matter what, even, even though I'm sure it'll be messy at times or whatever, I really can't think of a better group of people that can hold this and do something, um, just like creative and spectacular and, um, awesome. So I, you know, uh, that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I, I can, I know that I've heard from um, most of the other uh, facilitators that one of the reasons they want to come is just to hang out with the other <laughs> facilitators. <laughs> totally. Yeah. totally. I think Janir was like, you know, there's this little side room that, that facilitators can go and mostly eat in, like if they want it. And she was like, you know, that room's going to be popping. And I was like, I know, I want like... <laughs> But with everybody, like, I, I think no matter what, it's going to be a really cool experience. No matter what, we'll all be, <laughs> this will be something. No matter what, we will leave with neural pathways that remember this one. <laughs> we will be tending the threshold. We just don't know <laughs> what that's going to look like. Yeah, we just don't know what that's going to end up. Well, thanks so much for spending time and sharing all of your, um, yeah, just your wisdom and your perspective and and the energy thank you you know huge props to you for um for convening and gathering it's a brave thing to do it's a, an incredibly tiring thing to do <laughs> and um i'm i'm so grateful uh, to you for doing that so thanks very much and i really look forward to seeing you in may yeah looking forward to seeing you too thank you to find out more about tending the threshold and to purchase live or live stream tickets go to tendingthethreshold.com. And please don't let money be a barrier. 
organizers have a solidarity fund that sponsors people with marginalized identities and less financial privilege. If you have need and would like to attend, reach out to tendingthethreshold at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us.